So, anyway, I am talking about one of my most favorite subjects tonight, which is this. Who the heck is the Holy Spirit? Okay, who has been raised in a Pentecostal or Charismatic church? I just need like a show of hands. Those are the people that's hands are way up. Who was not raised in church at all? Yeah, and then who was raised in like a super traditional Baptist church? Like part of you is like, is it okay that a woman is speaking? <laughs> it is. Different topic. All right, so I, I'm a very visual person, so I wanted to give like three pictures that is conjured up in most of our minds when we think of the Holy Spirit. So the first picture is this. If you go to like pretty much, if you Google Holy Spirit, which is exactly what I did, this is the first picture that came up. This followed by like a really weird looking 1990s like film festival fire that was probably made in like Microsoft Word. You know the ones they used to make like birthday invitations in? So that's, that's image number one, Holy Spirit, the dove. Image number two, yeah. <laughs> My boy, Benny. Um, that's Benny Hinn, if you don't know who that is. Um, he is, just like, type in Benny Hinn, let the bodies hit the floor, and you will be blessed. You will be blessed beyond measure, because he is saved and actually has done a lot of great things for a lot of great people, but is famous for taking his blazer off and literally hitting people with it until they fall over, slain in the spirit. That's the second image. My third and most favorite image that people think about is this. This is The Shack. Just so you don't know, if you don't know what that is, this is The Shack, it's a great movie. Or it's a movie full of heresy, whatever side of the fence you're on, I think it's great. Um, but this is the third image that some people have of the Holy Spirit. Like a female? Or even a goddess type? Those are the three most common images. All of those images are not 100% true, nor are they 100% false. So I am here to bring clarity to what the Holy Spirit is. Before I do that, I'm going to pray, because I don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit and totally mess it up, because um, there is a verse in the Bible about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and I will like, not be forgiven, so I don't really take that lightly. So I'm gonna pray, and we're gonna dive into this thing. So Holy Spirit, we invite you right here, right now, to just come dwell among us. And God, like I prayed earlier, I just pray that you would give understanding, that you would uh, give direction, that you would give guidance, and ultimately, God, that you would speak through me, and that I would not speak anything that is not your truth. I just pray that you would put a guard over my mouth, and that you would just put a hedge of protection over this room. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you that even right now you are with me and that uh, you've gone before me and that you've spoken to me. So I just pray that I give you honor by what I say about you. You know, I pray. Amen. All right. Um, whenever I speak, which is not often, I have a lot of slides. So I apologize for that. Um, part of it is because I'm a very cerebral person. I'm very artistic, but I also am like a total nerd. I love to study. In fact, if you were to ask me any question that I didn't know the answer to, I would make it my personal mission in life to become an expert on that very subject. So if you're like, hey, do you know when Heath Ledger died? I'm like, you know what, I don't know that off the top of my head, but come back to me in 20 minutes and I will tell you everything about Heath Ledger's life, including his date of death. May he rest in peace. 
And that was, that was a really poor time. Anyway, so who the heck is the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. As Christians, we believe that God is triune. He is three distinct persons in one being. So like, why is the Holy Spirit important to have relationship with in our Christian life? Well, so Jesus, biblically, is at the right hand of the Father. God the Father is also up in heaven. The Holy Spirit, as believers, is here with us, dwelling inside of us. So it is possible, ladies and gentlemen, to have a saving faith, a faith where you are saved, and yet not have a faith that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mind blown, right? So it's important to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because He's with you. He's that comforter. He's that intimate connection. You know, have you ever run into someone and you just kind of feel like, whoa, something's different about them? Every time I'm around this person, I just feel like, I feel like I want to listen or I feel like I want to lean in. I want to have what that person has. That is actually the power of the Holy Spirit inside of a person that you are feeling, or as Christians would say, that's an anointing of the Holy Spirit. And uh, guess what? We can't actually properly interpret the will of God the Father at all without having a partnership or relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that communicates with us on the Father's behalf. And um, apart from the Spirit, we are literally consumed by fleshly desires. Jesus died on the cross, wiped away all your sins, if you accepted him, and uh, that's all fine and good. But without the power of the Holy Spirit living and active in our life, we are consumed by the flesh. Because if we're not walking in the Spirit, guess what we're walking in? Me, myself, and I. And me, myself, and I is prone to like not great things. Can I just get a holler on that, right? Yeah, maybe it's just me, but I feel like all of you do. And uh, so Jesus was controlled by the Spirit. Everything Jesus did was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as Christians, we live our life. Christian literally means many Christ. We live our lives to be Christ-like. So if Christ was controlled by the Holy Spirit, then we should too. Correct? You guys with me? All right. So who? Who is the Holy Spirit? It's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. But, I spoke on this in women's yesterday, it is neither male nor female. John 4.24, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So by the way, I want to make this very, very clear. God is not confused by his gender. We are. But God is not. In the uh, English language, we, and I don't know anything about many other languages, but in the English language, we basically have male and female. We do not have a gender-neutral pronoun. But in scripture, the two pronouns used to describe the Holy Spirit are raka, which is Hebrew, and that is actually um, more feminine of a term, but it is still neuter or neutral. Or there is pneuma, which is also spirit, has a feminine lean to it, but it is not directly female. It shouldn't be hard for us to understand that God the Father and God the Son are males, right? But it is actually really important for us to understand that males and females, we were created in the image of God. Women, you are not created to serve a man so that he can teach you how to serve God. You are created to serve God because you are made in his image. And in fact, 
Genesis 3.16 gives a breakdown of why men and women have so much friction with each other, and I didn't put it as a slide, but I talked about it last night in women's, and it basically goes over the whole concept of this. When the fall of man happened, when man sinned, we fell out of a right relationship with God, this is what happened. God literally says, Genesis 3.16, you can quote the scripture on it, it says, I will put division between the man and the woman. The woman's desire will be for her husband, but he will rule over her. Not a part of the promise, a part of the curse. So our entire issue with gender, gender roles, gender friction, guess what? That comes from the fall of man. And we don't have to live like that. Because the Godhead, triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, gives us the perfect makeup of men and women created in God's image. So the Holy Spirit, not a man. Also not a woman. So please do not be praying to Mother God. By the way, Jesus, when praying to the Holy Spirit, used masculine pronouns, oftentimes he, and we want to do things like Jesus did. So when you are praying to the Holy Spirit, you need to understand that though is not a male and it is not a female, if you're going to use a pronoun, you need to use the pronoun Jesus used. He. Capiche? All right. The second thing is the Holy Spirit is a divine being. He is God. He is equal with God the Father and God the Son. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three equal. The Spirit hovering over the waters. There's a, there's a teaching that exists in uh, modern Christianity that like the Holy Spirit didn't come until Acts 2. That is wrong. The Holy Spirit was there in Genesis 1-1 as the Spirit was hovering over the water and everything was formless and void. Because God is triune, He's three in one, the Holy Spirit has always existed and Father, Son, Spirit are all equal. I know, it's one of those things that doesn't quite make sense. And when I was in youth group, some youth pastor described it as like, you know there's an egg and there's the shell and there's the white and the yolk. It's all an egg, but all different things. And I don't know if that's technically a good analogy or not, but it works for me. So if that helps you understand the Trinity, go for it. And then third, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us as believers. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And... I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Pretty awesome. The Holy Spirit dwells inside each and every believer. All right, so let's move on to, now we know who the Holy Spirit is. What are the attributes of the Holy Spirit? He's omnipresent. And there's all of these slides with all these verses. Omnipresent, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your present? He is omniscient. That means he is all-knowing. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man, except the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He performs the work and the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit's job is to communicate and do 
what God the Father has asked. Another reason why we need the Holy Spirit, because if you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, you are not doing the work of the Father, which means you're like way out of alignment. And what does the Holy Spirit do? I'm going to go through this really quick. He teaches, he testifies, he guides, he speaks, he enlightens, he saves, he commands, he intercedes. That's a huge one that we'll get to in a little bit. He sends workers, he calls, he comforts, he works, he can be grieved. The Holy Spirit has emotions. He can be wounded as a person because he is a person. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit, if we break it down, is really, he's our advocate, he's our friend, he's our comforter, our intercessor, our defender. The Holy Spirit's pretty awesome. And relationship with the Holy Spirit transforms the Christian life. So we can ask this question, it's okay. What's in it for me? So what does the Holy Spirit fill me with? Well, Galatians 5, 22 through 23 makes it pretty clear. But the fruit, singular, not fruits, fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expression. I love this translation, by the way. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. A faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, but they are meant to be limitless. What's in it for you? Mm, let's count the things. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, strength of the spirit. Uh, limitless of all of these things. You know, in our generation as millennials, and I am one of you, even though I have two kids and seem 100 years old, I am one of you. In our generation, we are the most broken and the most depressed generation that has existed to date. So it could be argued that what happened if our generation got filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and then we have joy that overflows. What happens if we were filled with the Holy Spirit and all these conflicts that are happening all the time, these horrible genocides all the time, we have peace. That subdues. That's why I love this translation. It's not just peace. It's peace that subdues. It's kindness in action. It's not just, I'm going to be kind. It's, I'm going to have the type of kindness that springs forward into action. Because the Holy Spirit, if we go back to the attributes, the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit isn't just sitting in a coffee shop feeling the things. The Holy Spirit works. He is kindness in action. He is a joy that is overflowing. He is a life full of virtue. He gives us faith that prevails. You know the majority of people walk away from the faith between 18 to 30? If you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you have faith that prevails. It's going to take you through the tough times. Holy Spirit gets a bad rap for being, like I said, like this feeling feeling in the coffee shop. Or in the, I hate to say it, but in the youth group convention where you just feel like you might burn in hell if you don't go to the altar. So you go to the altar and you feel the tingles. And then you walk away and you're like, but I think I'm still going to sleep with my boyfriend. So hopefully there's an altar time next week. That's a, be honest. It happens to all of us. But if you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, 
you got a faith that prevails. You have, the last one, a strength of spirit. A strength where you cannot and will not be broken by the things of the world. Because Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world. And he has given us a helper, the person of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. So now, we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about something a little bit controversial. So I want to pre uh, preface this by saying, this is not a salvation issue. And I get really irritated and bummed out when people say that it is. And I believe, I don't know if there's a scripture about this, but I'm sure that there is. I believe that it's one of the greatest tactics of the enemy to take something that could be so incredible and from God, like the Holy Spirit, and then the enemy perverts it and he gets us hung up on doctrine, and then we just like begin fighting with each other about it. There's nothing more controversial in church than the Holy Spirit. How interesting, right? Because the Holy Spirit gives way to like the fruit of the Spirit, but sometimes we're not spending time in communion with the Holy Spirit. We're just like in a giant pissing match with each other about what the Holy Spirit does and does not do because we think that we're God and we know, which we don't. So this is not a salvation issue. So if you think it's a salvation issue, read your Bible and you find out it's not. But every person who is saved has the Holy Spirit inside of them. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when we are saved. But like I said before, we can live a life saved by grace, but not living in communion with the Spirit. So I want to move on to the baptism of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, and speaking in tongues. Everyone go, ah! It's awesome. I'm only in here like once a year, so if you hate everything I say, Riley's going to be back next week. And you can tell him, and he will not give you my email. The baptism of the Spirit gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues. So here are the gifts of the Spirit laid out in Scripture. There is wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, prophecy, miracles, discernment, speaking in tongues. Put two little stars by that one in my notes because everyone's kind of cool up until then and they're like, nope. Uh, administration, service, teaching, preaching, Paul tells us in that same scripture that we should eagerly desire all, everyone say all, all, all the spiritual gifts. So check yourself. If there is something on that list that you're like, don't want it, want no part of it. Even if it's like, for me, I like read administration, I'm like, pass. <laughs> no. Like, sign me up for the miracles. <laughs> sign me up for the prophecy and the knowledge, especially sign me up for the knowledge. Administration, service, eh, I can leave it. But we should eagerly desire all spiritual gifts. And guess what? Speaking in tongues is part of that. So destiny, that's where we are now. We are a Pentecostal church. We're not shy about that. Therefore, our, if you didn't know that before, you definitely know that now. Uh, therefore, our doctrinal belief, our theological position, again, not a salvation issue, our theological position, our belief is um, that uh, supernatural gifts of the Spirit, such as tongues, prophecy, signs, wonders, and miracles, are still living and active today. There are three streams in the church. There is that stream, Pentecostals, Charismatics, or some people like to call them Fruit Loops. That is one stream. That's our stream. 
I'm a Fruit Loop guy. I believe that signs and wonders and healings and miracles and prophecies and tongues totally happen. And I believe that God's going to continue to pour out His Spirit on this generation. And I am here for it. There are other two streams. And those people are equally awesome and saved and wonderful. We just do not see eye to eye on it. And if you're one of those people, I want to let you know. That's okay. That's okay. The other stream is they believe that the supernatural gifts, such as healing, miracles, tongues, prophecy, ceased after the book of 2 Corinthians. They believe that they're no longer needed. Then there is another stream, which is kind of in the middle, and a lot of people fit there. They say, I think that all of these gifts still exist, but they're not as needed, and they do not belong in a corporate setting. Especially in America, where we have the Word of God and we have access to social media, we don't need the power and the presence of God as someone maybe in um, deserted Africa does. Maybe they need healings there. But in America, this stream believes we have doctors and that is who does the healing. All three of those streams are totally saved, and that is okay if you have a difference of opinion. But I am, because I'm a pastor at Destiny and I'm a ordained Assemblies of God minister, I am going to preach from the Pentecostal perspective, okay? So, the baptism of the Spirit and speaking in tongues. The baptism of the Spirit is the awakening and conscious invitation to welcome the Holy Spirit to fill you at an even greater capacity. It is the filling and awareness of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Baptism in the Spirit produces a life awakened to intimate and powerful connection with the Holy Spirit, an awakened desire and longing for all of the spiritual gifts, a radically transformed life full of the Spirit's power and conviction, a sensitivity to the voice of God, and, this is the controversial one, as a Pentecostal church, we do believe in the initial hear me, physical evidence, the supernatural prayer language of tongues. There's a little bit of a difference here. There is a gift of speaking in tongues of other languages that you will see in Acts 2, which is for the distinct purpose of preaching or teaching, and that is to edify the church. When someone stands up in a corporate setting like this, like if Julia, sorry, I'm going to pick on you, if Julia stood up right now and she started, like, Shonda LaHaying, um, you would better hope that she has an interpretation. Because scripturally, God is a God of order. And we don't want a bunch of Shonda LaHayers for no reason with no interpretation. That is the corporate gift of tongues. That is a different gift than a personal prayer language. Personal gift of tongues, which is for personal edification. Personal versus corporate. Two different things. So as uh, Destiny, we do believe in the initial physical evidence. And here's what I'm going to say about that. Because I really actually struggled with that a lot. I actually did not grow up charismatic whatsoever. And when I was introduced into the charismatic stream, I was like, mm, not sure about this. Um, until the Holy Spirit met me and totally transformed my life, and I was here for it. But when it came to the speaking in tongues issue, I had just heard so many negative experiences. 
I had never actually experienced them, like just my friends had experienced them, so I totally believed them. Um, of people like roll on the floor, it's that second picture of Benny Hinn. People like being out of their mind and people just like disrupting worship. And there was always like Sister Harriet in the back row and she had like a word every single week in the middle of the preacher. And it was just chaos all the time. So when I thought about tongues, that's what I thought about. And I had a really um, difficult time embracing it. And then I also heard this horror story, which by the way, this is a horror story, just in case you were wondering. Going to a youth group convention of some sort, they're like, just start saying, shada da 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 super, super fast until you feel something. And I'm like, what? Like, that's crazy! And yeah, it is crazy. The hearts of those are right. Here's what speaking in tongues actually looks like. It looks like someone praying for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you saying, yes. Yes, I want to live a life fully empowered. Yes, I desire that spiritual gift. I eagerly desire that spiritual gift. I want a prayer language. Whatever that looks like, and I don't know what it looks like, I want it. And then it looks like being able to shut off your mind and express without your mind working. Difficult concept, but have you ever been in prayer or in worship? And you are overcome so much that you just don't know what to say. And you just start weeping. And you just start saying maybe the same phrase over and over and over again. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. And you're just weeping. And you don't actually like know what's happening. It's just something. That something is the Holy Spirit working inside of you and out from you, the scripture calls it groans that your words cannot express. Speaking in tongues as a prayer language is simply that, groans that your words cannot express. And yes, sometimes it sounds like shama da 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 da, sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't. And let me tell you, if you're just saying the Shonda LaHaye's because you think that that's the right thing to do, but you're not like, you're not feeling the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, stop doing it. There's more for you than just performance. More for you than just you feeling pressured because you've heard someone else's prayer language and you think it should sound like that. The Holy Spirit's going to meet you like individually on an individual basis. And if you allow yourself to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you allow yourself to get to that place where your mind is not operating, but your spirit is active, from that place comes prayer language. And it's awesome. Because I can tell you, the older I get, and the more things in life I experience that are hard, the more that there are times that I'm like, I do not know what to pray. Because I'm so angry, or I'm so hurt, or I'm like, and I've shared this before, I have suffered from depression and anxiety my whole life. And let me tell you, the moment that I was baptized in the Spirit and I experienced a personal prayer language, that is the only time that I'm able to receive any type of spiritual breakthrough. Because when I'm depressed, when I'm anxious, guess what the only thing I can think about is? Me. I can only think about how anxious I am. I can only think about how depressed I am. So when I go into the presence of the Holy Spirit, 
all I want to say, me, Rachel, with my mind is, God, take this away. God, take this away. God, take this away. But when I start operating out of a prayer language, out of a groan, out of a crying, out of letting my mind be blank, then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts to do something in me, and something starts to shift. And it's not something that I can put my finger on or something that I can explain or something that I can write an exegesis about. It's just something where I finally feel like I'm not alone anymore. Because anyone who has depression and anxiety knows that it is crippling aloneness. But that's the awesome part about having the Holy Spirit, is you're literally never alone. Even when you feel like it, you're never alone. So the baptism of the Spirit, accompanied by initial physical, everyone say physical, Physical evidence of speaking in tongues or having a prayer language. We do believe as Destiny Christian Church that that is a manifestation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I will tell you this, which like hopefully Brett Allen or none of our AG people are in this room because they'd be like, mm. maybe they wouldn't, but I feel like they would. I will say that I have known people who have desperately prayed for a prayer language and have totally been baptized in the spirit. And they are living, by the way, an empowered, spirit-filled life who have not been able to get to that prayer language place. I have known people like that, and my father is one of them. My father is one of the most holy, devoted, amazing men of God that I have ever met in my life. He is full of discernment. He is full of the work of the Holy Spirit. But if you ask him, John, did you get a prayer language? Do you speak in tongues? He will say, I pray every day that I would speak in tongues. But it just hasn't happened yet. But that does not mean that he does not eagerly desire it. It means that every day he goes to the throne of God and he says, I know that I'm full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you give me a prayer language? And he would say, maybe it's just that I can't turn my mind off. Maybe it's me. Or maybe God's just teaching me something through the waiting process. And maybe I'm going to get that gift when I cross over the other side of eternity. I'm in heaven. Because we live in a broken, fallen world. And not everything always goes according to plan. So I want to just say a word of caution and truth to anyone who's been in this room and who's maybe even grown up in a church like Destiny. And you've just been eagerly searching after that like gift to speak in tongues or to have a prayer language and it just hasn't happened. Do not give up. That's what the enemy would want you to do. But also do not lose heart because there is more for you. And the Holy Spirit wants to do work in you on an individual basis because that's just how good he is. Everyone clear on that issue? Speaking in tongues, all right? So why? Why do you need to pray in the Spirit? Which, by the way, even if you don't have a prayer language or speaking in tongues, the Bible still says to pray in the Spirit which means to operate from the power of the Holy Spirit. So even if you're not having a prayer language, you don't have an out to just pray very cerebral prayers. You have to pray heaven into every single situation. You have to pray with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And um, Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through world, wordless groans. There it is. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. 
because the Spirit intercedes for all God's people in accordance with the will of God. You have a great defender in the person of the Holy Spirit. And you have a mind reader. By the way, the enemy cannot read your mind. He can only operate out of what you speak into existence. So if you're constantly saying things like, I'm just so depressed, I'm just so depressed, guess what you're speaking? I am depressed. But if you shift your language in accordance with the will of the Holy Spirit, and you say, the Holy Spirit is healing me from depression. Maybe you're not healed yet. But if you just begin to shift your language in accordance with the will of God, saying, I'm in the middle of a victory, instead of, I am defeated. Wow! Like, your whole life will begin to shift. And trust me, like, I'm not really good at that, because I'm a word vomiter, and I can just say all of these things, and then I'm reminded, whoa! I just spoke a lot of things out into the atmosphere and out into the existence that's totally not in alignment with the Holy Spirit. So, okay. Now I know that I've opened that door to the enemy because he can't read my thoughts, but he sure did just hear all of those crap words I just spoke. Okay, I need to do some work and I need to realign myself. I need to pray in the spirit and I need to shift everything that I just said and turn those lies into truths. So I'm depressed, I'm lonely, I'm defeated, I'm never gonna do anything with my life. Instead, the Holy Spirit's healing me from depression. I'm in the middle of a victory. God has a purpose and a plan for me, and he is taking me on a journey to find it, and he is going to work all things together for good. That is going to shift your whole life right there with the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't want us to major on the minors because we're supposed to desire all spiritual gifts, like I said. I know I spent so much time on tongues. That's because Riley asked me to, because I know that that's a very divisive issue, and the Holy Spirit should never be divisive. It's part of the Godhead. It's Christians who get all weird and divided about stuff. God's not confused. If you don't know the Holy Spirit, the gifts are going to be nothing more than emotionalism. I'm going to let that sit there. If you don't know the Holy Spirit, then you may have an awesome moment where you prophesy but it's going to be a really emotional experience. And then you're going to be searching for a high. The Christian faith is not some new age practice. It's not where you're just searching and trying to meditate until you fill the tingles. The Christian faith is a life empowered. It's about bringing heaven to earth. It's about living supernaturally, not so that you can see all the cool things, but so that you can bring heaven down into every single situation so that you can live a life in accordance with the will of God. And everybody's experience is different. It's never. Everyone say never. 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 Our job to judge a person's salvation or their spiritual experience. It is totally our job to judge believers in their sin. Hear that. We are to judge believers. Say believers. We are supposed to judge believers in their sin. If you are a believer and you are currently sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend, guess what? You are opening yourself up to be judged by other believers. Because we want you to live a life in accordance with the will of God because we love you, we know that God loves you, we know that there's more for you. But 
You are never, ever, ever to judge the salvation of another person. That's God's job. And I sure hope to the Lord Almighty that when I stand in front of the throne room of God, that he's not like, here's the list of people that you said are going straight to hell, and they're for sure here. I'm like, not humped on that. <laughs> the more you know the Holy Spirit, the more you are known. And then this is my last point. Orthodoxy determines orthopraxy. Who goes to Jessup? Anyone in this room? Who's heard that phrase? Suggestive phrase. Hello, Jim Green. Orthodoxy determines orthopraxy, orthopraxy, which means right thinking determines right behavior. If we think straight, then we will walk in alignment. If we know the Holy Spirit, who he is and who he is not, then we will begin to walk correctly from that place. So what I want to do just to close this night out, and yes, it's 824. Um, what I want to actually do to close this night out is I'm going to do something a little bit different. I know that a lot of times there's these really powerful, amazing altar calls, and I think that's awesome. Truthfully, that's actually not a huge gift of mine. And I really struggle with that. I'm not, I'm not like a preacher yet, but I do desire that gift. But I am a teacher. I teach. Because for me, the more that I know, the more that I understand, the more I'm able to experience. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about my personal experience with the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to lead you through what someone who loved me enough led me through. And the experience is going to be different for everyone. So when I was um, 18 years old, I went to school at William Jessup University, and like I had a whole life before then, I literally only went to Jessup because I was supposed to go to the Hart School in Connecticut to study musical theater. That was my dream ever since I could remember. I wanted to be on Broadway. I worked my whole life. I, I put myself through dance, and I had this whole plan for my whole life, and um, the school actually called me. I had a really good scholarship, and the school actually called me and said, hey, the funding... Um, actually got dropped. So you're going to have to pay full price uh, to go to the heart school. And my life like wrecked right there. I knew that I couldn't afford to go to the school that I dreamed of my entire life. And I had this like letter from William Jessup University, which, how long ago was that? Nine years ago. Nine years ago it was like 400 people singing Kumbaya. And now it's awesome. But it was like a small Podak school in the middle of Rockland, California. And I had just experienced like a huge relationship trauma. My life was a disaster. I was the epitome of a train wreck of a human being. And I just was like, okay, I got this random Christian schools that I gotta go audition for. And I auditioned to be in the music department for like four schools. William Jessup University was one of them. When I went to Jessup, it was 106 degrees on the day that I auditioned and my car broke down and I thought that God had sent me to hell to learn a lesson. I hated Rockland. But I got a full right scholarship and I shouldn't have to a school that I didn't want to go to. And it was in the middle of a critical analysis of literature class, like not a spiritual class. I think we were studying feminist literature actually, that my professor at the time 
She said, hey, I want to talk to you after class. She didn't know me. This was the first week of school. I had no friends. I was so alone. I was on the brink of taking my own life. And she said, hey, like, the Holy Spirit told me that he wants me to minister to you. And he wants me to take you through something called the Apostolic Prayer. And I just looked at her and I'm like, what? I have no frame of reference for what you're saying. But I was so desperate at that time that all my theological understanding just went out the window. And I literally said, I've shared this woman. I said, I mean, whatever. Like, okay. And she took me into her faculty office and she poured me a really crappy cup of coffee. And she began this process of asking me, hey, Rachel, when's the last time that you encountered the Holy Spirit? And I gave her the whole pastor's kid spiel. Well, I was saved when I was five and I was baptized when I was eight and I've been kind of walking with God ever since. I know I'm not going to hell, so that's important. Um, but yeah, like I occasionally worship and I think the Holy Spirit's great. She's like, oh, okay. Well, will you let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit? And I was like, at the moment, I'm like looking like, is this gonna be the, one of those like horror movies where all of a sudden she's trying to strangle me with something? But again, I was desperate. And so she just sat there with me. She just prayed this awesome, amazing, really non-weird prayer. Holy Spirit, I just invite you in this faculty office. Right now, would you just begin to place your arms around Rachel? And would you reveal yourself to her face to face so that she can look you in the eyes? And right in that very moment, the Spirit of God encountered me in such a real way that for the first time in my life I've been saved as a child, I've grown up in church, I met the person of the Holy Spirit, not just the part of the Trinity that sometimes we talk about in church. And from there, I went through a lot of counseling, a lot of restoration, and a lot of undoing these lies and these perceptions that I built up in my head about who God was because someone told me that that's who he was. And I met him for myself. I met God the Father. I met God the Son. I met the Holy Spirit. And then I could have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then I was known. And then I was not just saved, but I was set free. And then I've been set free over and over and over again. Because there's just a difference between knowing about God and having saving faith and living a life that is sanctified, set free, redeemed, and captivated by the person of the Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus, the person of God the Father. It was amazing. So, if you guys will let me, I want to, if we can play like some soft music, I'm not talented enough to play the keys and say this at the same time. I want each and every person to just begin to close their eyes. And hey, I want to say this. This is not me. This is nothing Rachel's doing. The Holy Spirit's going to meet you where you're at in the capacity that you allow Him. So this is not your deal. That's fine. But I want to challenge you right now to just have an open heart to meet the Holy Spirit. 
And right now, I want you just to begin to picture, like in your imagination, like even as you did when you were a child, you know, when you would have those awesome um, play games that you would play where you would imagine yourself like in a castle or in a field and you would just play. I want you to kind of let yourself go back to who you were as a kid. The place that you felt the most safe. And I want you to picture that in your mind. So the place as a child where you felt the most safe. And then I want you, in your imagination, to go ahead and invite the Holy Spirit into that place with you. Just say something in your mind like, Holy Spirit, will you come encounter me right here in my imagination? And then I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what he has to say to you. I'm just going to give a couple moments to let him speak. safe. I want you to picture the place where you have felt the most alone. And I want you to invite the Holy Spirit there too. And I want you to look at the Holy Spirit right in his face, right in his eyes. And I want you to ask the same question. Holy Spirit, what do you have to say to me here? that original place, that place where you felt the most safe, the most free, with the Holy Spirit beside you. And then I want you to look him in his eyes. I just want you to say, I want to know you more. I 
Spirit. You are just so unbelievable. You're hard to comprehend sometimes because we don't have a file for like how good you are. And I thank you that you meet us individually, that you minister to us individually, that you have something different to say to each and every one of us, that God, you are omniscient, that you are omnipresent. You are all powerful, all knowing God. But Lord, you still minister to us as the one. So Holy Spirit, we just say each and every day, help us live in communion with you, in partnership with you. Help us live an empowered life. God, for each and every person sitting in this room right now, I pray that you would give them uh, like an upgrade in terms of their spiritual awareness, that they would have a heightened sense of an awareness of your Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. Not just right now. God, I pray that they would leave this room and encounter you on like a way more personal level than you ever could just sitting in a room full of people. Holy Spirit, I pray that today is the day that each and every single person in this room begins to walk in step with you because you desire a relationship with us. And God, I thank you that though you are triune, three in one, and though that is such a hard concept for us to understand, that you met us as a father, the creator of the world. You met us as a son who took and bore our sin and shame, rose again on the third day, defeating sin and death and giving us a life full of freedom, and that also you are the Holy Spirit, who is our advocate and our comforter and our greatest friend. Thank you that we're not alone, ever. We love you, God. We love you. We just wrap up this time and we just say thank you. Thank you. And we end this day in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be here.